may be recording now. We may be recording now. Hence the clap. It's a tentative clap. It wasn't a, an authoritative clap. So, but it's not the clap. Ha! Ah! Welcome to episode seven. Of and two. the seventies, <laughs> eighties. <laughs> Either way, that's the one thing that follows you in Vegas. It's the clap. So. <laughs> Definitely doesn't stay in Vegas. Sixteenth so. place now. <laughs> yeah, we got some uh, interesting news. Welcome to episode seven. We're starting out with a bang, uh, ish. So, yeah, trying to calm it down. And I only have like two sips of this thing. It's crazy. But unintended uh, entendres the aside. The consequences of the sour. Yeah. The, 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 the duchess sour. It's phenomenal. But the, uh, anyways, so yeah, we got a shout out in, uh, what was it, uh, some podcast rating thing, I forget the site, uh, but uh, we're number nine on the top 30 guitar podcasts to watch in 2022, so we got that going for us. So you hear that knob creak? We kind of pull that joke so long. Uh, I don't even we would it. be drinking knob creek, but we're feeling unloved at the moment. Yeah, it, it's so cold. It's a bitter place out there. Oh man. So we—it's been a bit, but we've been obnoxiously busy. I mean, you with your new wake up at five o'clock in the morning and practice thing, and me with uh, I'll just stay up late and practice. And I needed it because I had that uh, concert uh, that I did. Did we talk about that yet? We at least talked about the prep for it. Okay. We can jibber jabber about that. And you had another gig, uh, the all acoustic show. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I did two of those. One? I think we might have, I don't know if we talked about those. Yeah, then I have a couple of gigs coming up. Good, we talked stuff. about not being a crappy bandmate. Yep. Uh, yep. That was the last one. So, a lot of stuff. A lot of different stuff. Yeah, that, so, that reminds me, too. Um, I'm looking to. I don't think I told you this. I was thinking of. I, I, uh, Came across like a stellar regions thing <laughs> and then I, i've been kind of proposing maybe i'll i have bootlegs of every show or i have recordings of every show myself shows. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if that counts probably doesn't count. anyway i uh, have recordings of every show so i was thinking oh maybe because i don't know what's gonna happen if that group's ever gonna take off again <laughs> but there was you know there's some good moments What's that? Pun intended. Stellar yeah. regions. Sorry. We've already gone all over the yeah. There's no place we haven't <laughs> seen. But yeah, I think I'm I think I'm gonna do a, a release in the next month or two of like the best of those oh, that's cool. live recordings. So you know, there's many hours of music to go through and kind of find mm-hmm. some good spots. This is kind of a cool project. It was a project that, um, I guess the original impetus was the story guitar, but more in like a jazz setting. And then mm-hmm. I wrote a bunch of tunes. Then we also did like Coltrane and stuff like that, but with distortion, um, with a swinging rhythm section. So yeah, it was cool. Very and, we, cool. and we had uh, shiny pants and stuff like that. Yeah, I saw the pictures with the shiny pants. I was like, he's really selling this thing. Well, I just thought, you know, why not? Why not? <laughs> because why not? Literally, why not? If I could get away with that on stage with a classical concert, I think you I'd could. do it. You could. Why couldn't you? Oh, uh, that's the truth. What's your size? 
<laughs> they, they're pretty stretchy so they probably think i got like two uh i got two shows coming up uh sure. classical wise so might, it might be your chance you know like uh, yeah there we go i mean for one for the first one at kenyon i would do it for mm-hmm. sure because it's my domain yeah. you know it's just like whichever i'm even debating like uh doing it barefoot mainly because my page flipper for the the iPad, the Air Turn, which is a great little device, except it doesn't click to change a page. So I generally use it, and I was going to use it for that show in Ashland, a little bit of a segue to playing a, a procession winding around me for guitar and uh, choir. So I, I had that Air Turn set up. It's synced. It's working fine. And like the first rehearsal, sit down, go to – I'm flipping through okay, and then I go to flip a page, and I accidentally flipped two pages because I couldn't feel it click. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like I push – there's no – it's just like squishy. And maybe I got a bad unit. I don't know if that uh, – they come with ones that just kind of like click and you turn the page type of thing. But without that tactile response, I don't know if it's going to work or not. And so I was just over adamant and flipped two pages. I'm like, whoops, you know, and totally dropped it. You know, at that point, it's just like, forget it. I'm on a different page. Um, and uh, so I was like, okay, free. then I literally took the thing, turned it off and put it in my backpack. I'm like, I'll just touch the screen. That was it. And the, the nice thing about the guitar part with that, it was engraved like fantastic. Like plenty of space for a page turn. Yeah. You know, it was in the right spots where I had a lot of rests. So it was like, okay, boom, and, and going at. So whoever did the engraving work on that it gets a, a, a nice welcome round of applause for that. Happy not accident. The clap. I would not want them to have the clap. They, they did good work. I want them to continue engraving different material. So, <laughs> anyway. So like, oh, I never thought about that. I- yeah, but that worked out. Yeah, <laughs> it was just some guy going. I just did it like every four bars. Yeah, cool. It worked. You know, whatever. Yeah, so. I totally meant to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll take the win. Um, sippy, sippy. Did you ever find out that they would do a recording video? No, they didn't. There were no microphones Those... in the spot. And you didn't yeah, record it, it on your phone or anything. No, I. I mean, I could have, but I just didn't. You know, it was. I've was got man. I've got in the habit of doing that. Like anytime I see any music or go anywhere, <laughs> so hmm. and uh, it doesn't always. Idea. Sometimes it comes out a lot better than I think, and then sometimes it doesn't come out as great as you think. But it's still nice to just have the. Yeah, I have the record there, yeah. and I would have liked to because we we freaking nailed it. Like, I was really happy. Right. Well, I mean, well I maybe it's good you didn't hear it because then it's usually that's when you're like. I nailed, oh, guess I didn't nail that part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, but uh, on that... In my memory, it was so good. Yeah. Th- and that was the thing, you know, it was like, I felt great about it, and so did the conductor, you know, which was a big tell. You know, me feeling great about it is my own perspective, right. but to have the conductor being like he, that... He was like, that. okay, so guitarists couldn't read music. Yeah. Can, <laughs> like, I can't get the smile off my face. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. I can't believe he pulled it off. That's like, the way it is. I thought we weren't getting past the first note. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, the first movement was the easiest one. Or not the easiest one, but it was easy. The second movement was clearly the most difficult. Just with tons of shifting meter, which isn't necessarily hard, but it's tough when you have a conductor and they're taking rubato with the choir. Sure. It's like... Uh, this is not in time. What the hell's going on? You know, so I really had to relearn because it's been a bit since I played with a conductor since like the pit orchestra stuff oh, yeah. that I was doing. So it was like, all right, I got to get used to watching the conducting out of the, my hand while following the music. And it came together really well at the last one. Like we nailed, we did the second movement the best we ever did it. And that was like dead on because there's a lot of awesome. spots. 
where it was really tricky to line up. It was just, ugh. and uh, yeah, the whole thing went fantastic. So that was good. That was kind of weird because I was very stoic for that gig. Like just, all right, let's just do it. Boom, <laughs> got up, and that was it. Now, is um, there many people witnessing? Yeah, it was that? a pretty big. It was probably eighty to hundred people there. Nice. So it was. Uh, and you that know, was, was the choir. Yeah, exactly. Mirth. No, it. Uh, the choir actually uh, wasn't that many. I mean, it was probably. Th- I want to say twenty kids in the choir because yeah. it's from mixed choir. So, like, instead of having the sections, they're all intermingled, and uh, I think the thing that really, outside of the the lyric material for the piece, it was like the guy's chords are just so cool and filled with tons of like minor seconds and quartal stuff. And it's like, I loved his harmonic language that he used for it. Now, did you sit like, where did you sit in relationship to the the choir? It was like, uh, the conductor was probably about three feet in front of me and then me and then the choir to the side. So I wasn't actually looking at the choir at all. I was Mike because, you know, you need to be. Uh, Well, let me... Yeah, because but actually, I did see videos of no Mike's guitar, but that guy had it like memorized, and we, he was part yeah. of like a traveling troupe. So he just sat in the front and played, and the choir was behind him, and that's where they got the balance from. But okay. uh, the way that the piece was arranged was very well done to give each like the time for the guitar to speak when it needed to, and it was uh-huh. really surprising how well balanced it was. The more I dove into it, and I, I love the guy's work. i got to look up more of his uh, writing if he's got anything else. Uh, Jeffrey Van is a composer. So, it's, so it, it's cool, too, right? I mean, being in front of a choir like that. Oh, yeah, man. The sound was, like gives you goosebumps when you're like... <laughs> yep. I was like, i got to hold it together emotionally, because, I mean, the lyrics right. are really heavy, but it's just beautiful, too. The way that some of those chords just swell at, with the vocal lines, it's like, oh, man, get you right here every time. Dang it. Mm-hmm. But it was great. It went really well. And uh, then I have, uh, I got a concert at Kenyon, which is solo guitar stuff. And then another concert at. Uh, yeah, make sure you send me the details on that. I'll try to make it. Yeah. Not little, I mean, it's in Kenyon, so it's like a 90 minute drive for me. <laughs> so it'd be like two hours for where you're at. <laughs> Big road trip, an expensive road trip. <laughs> We're not charging admission because of the gas. But uh, the. Um, sure. Well, I don't have a diesel, so it's not as bad. Well, the, well, yeah, my, but I also, in my diesel, I get like 48 miles a gallon. So, I mean, it kind of, either way, it's, it's, it, by next session, I might even have an electric car, but we'll see. Um, regardless. Powered one by guitar. <laughs> Powered by pure hatred of YouTube stars that can't play. Uh, but it, it might be an interesting calculate. How much guitar would you have to play to generate enough electricity to charge your car to go a mile? <laughs> How many hours of playing? <laughs> that's actually a, an interesting because it does with an electric guitar. That's what produces a signal is the yeah. vibrations on the electromagnets. Hmm. And they thought music was just silly. Now we're powering our guitars. It's probably it's you an easy calculation. It's got to find out what the. Uh, Amperage or how whatever. much power you get out of a guitar playing. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming like just big, you know, open chords probably does yeah, the most. Yeah, right? get the most vibration. Tune it to an open tuning and just strum it for a while and yeah. see what it would take. Fourteen years later, mm-hmm. um, right. <laughs> no, that's that's gonna be. We should do that. We should mm-hmm. definitely figure that out just to see. <laughs> 
You're like, honey, yeah, so I, it, honey, I, uh, I would hang out with you, but I have to charge the car. <laughs> Got to charge the car. <laughs> I'll see you at the kids' graduation. I need about ten thousand hours of practice still, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that should get us to uh, Akron, <laughs> <laughs> the the local Walmart. Yeah. Uh, man, to the middle school. So, yeah, so that. Canon gig should be great. You know, I actually, I'm going to be doing a duo a little bit with one of the, the vocal instructors down there. And then the same thing up at uh, Kent. Same program, but with a different singer. Cool. Uh, doing some Dowlin tunes, which uh, those are fun. Which, uh, I, I like his writing. It's uh, always I, – I like it because the resolutions are just so odd compared to what we're used to hearing. Sure. That, uh, it, it, the renaissance versus baroque type of thing it's like right before the rules really started to get super enforced or not enforced like you know where the music community said yeah kind of kind of got uh, ish predictable yes yeah, yeah. no you're, you're not wrong you know it's a circle progressions and everything right. else were like, like a part well, of the i know where this chord's going yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well predictable to us i guess would be the better way to put it sitting That's on fair. the other side of it That's fair. so uh, anyways, so yeah, so that uh, it's a program of you know the Renaissance songs, some Bach, obviously the nine nine seven, and then uh, some uh, Mauricio, a lot of more modern stuff. Colonna, that guy from Italy, doing one of his tremolo pieces, um, and then uh, the theme from Cinder's List by uh, Williams, arrangement by Koskin, and. Uh, then uh, what else? Mysterious habitats and the Philip Glass tunes. So, so I know I noticed in classical recitals, it almost always goes by time period. Mm-hmm. The way people organize the set list, um, you know, you always see like, okay, we're doing the Renaissance, and we'll move into broke, and then we'll go into classical, then we we'll go to this, mm-hmm. and, and then end with some modern pieces. Um, that's question one. I guess that's not always true, and I, I'm, I'm, I guess I was going to ask if you were going to do that. Question two is, the other thing you notice a lot of times, unless someone's just really specific, they always have these mixed um, you know, presentations of everything from Renaissance to the modern. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'm wondering, do you think that's a good thing, bad thing? Like, Would it be better to just pick a topic? Um, do you think that the overall experience, you know, it's kind of like, I don't want to say it's a hodgepodge, but it ends up, you know, no, well, it is, you know, it, it, it is a hodgepodge. It, it, it's a, it, the selections are there for a reason in the sense of like, that's kind of the classical shtick is you play all the time periods that you can with right. the guitar, you know, that, that's just it. I mean, when you go to school for <clears throat> classical, that's what you're going to do. Yeah. Right. And formalized thing whether or not that's gatekeeping is another set subject but i think there's utility in that just to see where the music is growing like now, have you gone to many shows about. where that wasn't the case the only show that i would say that was mostly completely modern was roland dean's yeah uh and but it was uh, also mostly uh, his tunes right yeah exactly and yeah. same thing with dusan bogdanovich um and then I'm trying to remember Paul Gal- Galbraith. 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 Galbraith did a gambit. Of it was, stuff. was oh, it wasn't just Bach. It wasn't just Bach. It was Bach, and then uh, modern composers uh, that he did a piano arrangements for guitar, uh, and then he did a couple of classical pieces to kind of like do the. Uh, um, yes, I can play the guitar music that's written for guitar type of thing. Because when I was at this that one camp, uh, one of the other 
uh, teachers who I won't drop any names was like huffing and puffing that it's like this was a guitar pro this isn't a guitar program this is a piano program on guitar you know and I'm just like that's okay. kind of cool personally but whatever I mean you got your thing um, and he d- tended to specialize in guitar music on guitar you know it's, so it, everybody's got their little niche and uh, personalities with it uh, so yeah, for myself the order of the program is not that I'm not climbing through the time periods. I mean, I started with the Bach, then I go to uh, the Dowland, and then the, I end up with modern. So I kind of jump back a little what, bit. What are you ahead. thinking about, though, when you're setting that list? When I'm setting that list is endurance. Or the the order. <laughs> so it's it has nothing to do about presentation. Like, okay, I know they're going to go through this thing, and that's going to be heavy. So I'm going to give them a little bit of a breather. No, and then, uh, I mean, I did think a little bit about that, you know, trying to apply the, uh, what is it, uh, 414 method of, uh, so- which is like this thing of a set list, you're going to do four fast songs and a slow one, and then uh, four more fast songs to kind of like keep the audience engaged type of thing, that's a idea, or maybe it's 323, three, something like that. You know, if you listen to live shows by some of the bigger bands, it's like fast, 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 slow song medium fast 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 slow you know they kind of pace it that way Uh, i wasn't thinking about that at all because you know when you do the baroque it's like it's a box suite that's kind of already built in the first thing um and then the dowlin songs are like we're doing uh five of his tunes and they were that i arranged in the sense of fast so or uh in this case it's going slow fast slow in terms of uh pacing with that um then, like, the Schindler's List is obviously slow. The Kelowna is slow, depending on the perception of it. Tremolos clearly sounds fast, but the melodic lines are long and slow. Uh, and then the, uh, the Philip Glass is definitely slow. So I kind of slow it down by the end of the program. I just kind of keep and it in the break. Like... Yeah, just falling asleep, you know. Mm-hmm. Whichever. I, I've gotten to a point. That's how you think... get people to stay. They may leave otherwise. Nobody's leaving. <laughs> They're all asleep. So just check that guy's pulse. Um, the uh, my my perspective on playing has gotten to a point where it's like I just want to play beautiful tunes, you know, or play something really beautiful. Uh, Lee, uh, yeah, and that that can be done with difficult pieces. It can be done with easy pieces. It's not like a matter of like what's. I'm just picking this because it's hard. I, I stopped doing that. Like I, I found, it's like, well, this is difficult, so I'm going to learn it. It's like, eh, well, you know, oh, yeah. Uh, that, that, I forgot two other pieces. Difficult reminded me. I'm doing the uh, Villa Lobos Etude 1 and then uh, Gilordino Etude 14 because he recently passed. And Etude 14 is definitely <laughs> asynchronic <laughs> to the timeline of everything. I mean, it's totally uh, modern, but uh, I think uh, Kenyon's set list is the Bach, then the Studies, then the Dowland, then the, the other stuff. So yeah. it's like I go from Baroque to modern to uh, Renaissance to modern. Um, and so that that's the layout with that. And it's the same program, and I'm going to be speaking during it too. My other goal too is I've picked like, you know, I'm tired of being separated from an audience in a classical concert. So kind of bring everybody together and talk sure. about the pieces a bit. I was just reading a couple of papers on the 997 and 998, just taking different uh, tidbits from the scholarly things and obviously sitting in the front and giving everybody an, uh, an, uh, a theoretical analysis of the pieces is going to put them asleep even more so than the music. But at the same time, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, is theorized about 
box writing where it wasn't just uh, the way that he wrote it, quote unquote, that he had other ulter- ulterior things planted in that for religious reasons. Because it, it was a Lutheran, a very hardcore Lutheran uh, during that. And so he would take a lot. And obviously he worked in a church. So he's kind of everything that yeah, he sure. is based around that. Um, so the uh, like the 998 is a three movement suite, which is very rare for any type of suite, especially for Bach. And uh, it was written as a Christmas work. And so people... Is that because they're normally four? Normally six, generally speaking. Um, So, and that's give or take, you know, is there a a minuet and trio in there? Is there, you know, two minuets, you know, whatever. It it, it all depends. Um, So, but generally, like, the number is six. And then it... But three was, like, really short. It's like, what the heck? Um, so that caused people to take notice because, you know, if there's, you're used to a typical layout and then there's something that doesn't fit with the rest. It's like, wait a minute, that's probably intentional. I don't think Bach makes silly decisions and just go, ah, this is just three. And there's a lot of different things that happen motifically in the music that is also echoed in some of his other Christmas cantatas that uh, have people thinking that it's like, okay, this is supposed to be a Trinitarian work. That's why you have three movements. It's in the key of E flat, which is three flats. It's, uh, and the main motif is uh, do ti do you know, so you have this kind of turnaround thing, and that happens throughout all three movements. It's really remarkable when you look at that through that lens, the intentionality of that uh, compositional aspect. But, um, you know, we don't know for sure. It's just that... Uh, Probably, you know, guessing from his letters and the things that we know about his personality. And the 997 is a companion piece to that. They were written around the same time. I think it was 1740 is when we at least have the earliest manuscripts of him. Huh. And uh, so it uh, closer to about 10 years before he died. Um, and the uh, 997 is uh, more in the Easter season or the Lent season, you know, uh, following the liturgical ca- calendar. And it's five movements, which isn't as rare as three, but it's still something a little bit outside of the mold. And in the first movement, um, there's five distinct sections in it. And there's just a, you know, there's a, the DeCapo Fugue is almost a, it's arguable that it could be a crab cannon in, not in the complete sense of that, where, you know, you can take two, have you heard of a crab cannon? Not that I recall. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's It's a cannon, but it's the same backwards and forwards. Like there's okay. two two voice lines going up, so there's two lines, you know. Right. But one of them's the complete reverse of the other, sure. and they, you just play them in one direction, and it, it works. It uh, I forget which one of his uh, particular pieces was that, but it was a crab cannon. And somebody's arguing was arguing a little bit in one of the papers about how the fugue is like that, where distinctly because halfway through the development of the uh, the the uh, subject, uh, when it gets to the develop or the yeah. Yeah, the development of it. And I'm slipping into Sonata thinking and trying to pull back to fugue things. Uh, halfway through that, he flips the subject and plays it in reverse and develops it that way and then flips it again and then does a de capo uh, with it. So somebody's like, well, it's almost like he's doing a, a, a two to two flip with that. Yeah, right. Um, and then. Um, and I think I think they said that there was five distinct sections in the fugue. In the Sarabande, there isn't five distinct sections. There's two. It's an A, B, typical ternary form. And the same thing with the jig. 
it's an AB and then the double on top of that. But the reason I keep harping on the number five is because it's, it's a religious significance of the five wounds of Christ, the, the head, the hands, the, and the feet. So people are thinking that because he was writing it for the Easter season, that those are the th- in the passion narrative, that's what he was writing it particularly for. Um, and, you know, it, it's one of those things where I get the intellectual arguments for it. I also think it's also could be Oh, I said also twice there, but I also think that it could be like the whole Michael Jackson mysterious thing. It's like, oh, yeah, this one time Michael Jackson showed up to my house and had to use the bathroom, you know, apocryphal stories that people are kind of looking back through the lens and being yeah, in there. Yeah, sure. And you're never, you're I say never a little, gonna... a little bit of reminded me of like, I don't remember, like when people are like, oh, the number 79, and you go through the Bible and you take the 79th word. Of yeah, it, yeah, exactly. And all of a sudden yeah. it tells you that the end of the days are coming and then someone takes the same thing and puts it in the... Like Moby Dick, and then <laughs> tells yeah. you that somebody's gonna murder your children or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, two hundred and what was it uh, from uh, the movie Pie? Two hundred and sixteen steps to the elevator. Max right. are gonna see that number everywhere, you know. And uh, I get th- that other counterpoint to it. It's like maybe he just like wrote the thing and he liked it. You know, you ever yeah, think right. of that? Um, so I, I do think there's some intentional stuff just from his writing of, about religious stuff and his deep involvement with it and being the guy that he was. Uh, you know, it, it uh, from at least from what we know, he was just kind of like, yeah, I'm gonna. The, though the townsfolks and the people that told him specifically how to write stuff, he's like, sure, I'll factor that right in mm-hmm. in my invisible typewriter in my invisible file on the garbage can. So and just did what he wanted. Um, and that's, uh, you know, that's why I think I might have liked him. He's just kind of like, not, sure, I'll do exactly that. And this did one. Like, that's why no one what? liked him when he was alive. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's why he spent some time in jail. But, you know, times have changed a little bit with employment laws. So you don't necessarily go to jail anymore. You might get fired, but you don't go to jail. Um, so that's, uh, that's kind of like the – I figured it was fitting for the, the timing right now in the middle of Lent to, to, to put the 997 together. And uh, it's kind of – I'm looking at it like my redemption of playing it because when I played it for my master's recital, I d- ditched the jig because it just wasn't coming together. And now it's like I got it. So I'm putting it out oh, on that's that. Good. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, like, keep that five – this is five movements. I'm only playing four. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> How does that work? So – Anyway, so that, not to monopolize. Well, it was boring it, anyway, yeah. <laughs> I, I love this. The, the, I, I love this sections of pieces. And maybe it's that um, rose-colored glass sort of playing it that makes me like it a lot more. But uh, it's just, it's a very, it has a lot of gravitas to it, like the, the way that he writes it. And uh, it's just wickedly cool when it all comes together. You know, sure. and that last note is just like, I'm going to go take a nap. Because <laughs> yeah, it's a tour de force. It's five movements of heavy lifting for the Bach. And there's debate on whether he wrote it for the lute or wrote it for Lutenvark, which is a hybrid lute uh, harpsichord thing hmm. that he definitely had. He owned one. So, And it it's not necessarily idiosyncratic to the lute. Like it wouldn't fit as well yeah. as it would on a keyboard. So who knows? Uh, for sure, we, don't, we weren't a fly on the wall. But... Uh, all this writing happened after he hung out with Silvius Leopold Weiss, my other favorite Baroque composer. He like showed up with his lute and there to be a fly on that wall for a couple of days where him and Bach just traded yeah, sure. subjects and joked around. And you can, this one article uh, pointed out like, here's 
Vice's intro to something, and here's a prelude to the 998, and you can see where they both do the same thing, like motivically, as a Bach takes it this direction, and Vice takes it very lute typical, you know, with the arpeggiations that he's doing, which I thought was fascinating. But you know, I'm a bit of a music and Bach nerd, so it's anything. It's Couldn't like tell. <laughs> yeah, can you tell Bach used to take ten steps to get up and walk around before he composed? That's what I do now, you know, <laughs> or whatever. Um, anyways, and so the Dallin songs were uh, just a pick because I wanted to sh change things up and start to play with other people a little bit. And then the, yes. uh, the, uh, the, the Kelowna tremolo was because I wanted something new tremolo and I was looking for something modern. Um, and it's a great piece. Like Kelowna is one of those guys where it's like, if I'm going to be personally honest, I think his tone is, sounds awful. Like it's very old school, very brittle, you know, uh, he d has a lot of contrast, clearly in control of everything. And the guy's like an amazing player. But, you know, compared to like guys like David Russell or, you know, even hey, Steve, you don't think it's the recording? No, definitely not. I've seen like tons, okay. <laughs> tons of his performances and everything else. It's just his thing. And it, maybe it's an Italian thing because I've heard a couple of Italian players uh, in that age range that sound the same like that. Just old school, you know, the, the Segovia style of tone, which Segovia's tone wasn't awful, but it was definitely a lot more brittle than what we have today. Um, so there's that, and uh, it's, it's just, it's a gorgeous piece called The Last Spring. Very, very nice and pleasant. And then the, uh, the Giordino study is a distinct contrast to that. It's like a heavy lifting hand workout toward a force that is not going to be sonically pleasing, but I'm just using that as that particular breakup device and yeah. to kind of not to show off, but just to show something of when serious composers get on the guitar and they're serious guitar composers. Let me rephrase that. They can put the difficulty so high to train your hands to do incredible things that everything else becomes a lot easier. And that's why I'm kind of like working into that piece rather than starting with it. Cause that's just going to be insane. So when, uh, when's the show? Uh, the 27th, uh, two weeks, I think. Oh, okay. Not this Sunday. Yeah, it's next the following Sunday. Sunday yeah. yeah, yep. So there's that, and then the one at Kent is uh, April seventh. That both of them are going to be recorded. So if uh, stuff goes well, I'll let you know. <laughs> um, that's oh, so it. you're going to be at Kent? You said uh, Kent State Warren. All right, I don't know where that is. <laughs> it's in Warren. <laughs> I don't know where Warren. I know the name of it. Warren's like on the. Uh, I think it's on the west side of Cleveland. So that type of area. Oh, yeah, I always like, forget. Yeah. I mean, I've heard so, of it. I just, I don't know. People yeah, always, so like, still at this point, I like, I don't know how long I've been here, like 15 years or something. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm always like, they're like, you know, it's the neighbor, it's the, it's the town right next to yours or whatever. I'm like, oh, oh really? No, I had no idea. <laughs> exactly. So not to monopolize everything with that. Let's talk about angry subjects. Yeah. Bands. <laughs> Uh, bands, well, a little bit. I mean, a lot I'm of this stuff. Teasing. I'm teasing. No, it. Uh, you know, the new Monuments album is dropping a little bit, and we were haggling a little bit over it. And I, I love the guitar playing in it. Absolutely love the guy's writing. Like his riffs are killer and very, very. I mean, it, it just goes everywhere. It's super entertaining to me. Um, and I think I've listened to enough of the screaming metal where I can, uh, I'm hearing the words now rather than just the sound. Yeah. And that kind of shocked me when I was driving. I'm like, holy crap. I can tell what he's saying. 
I've been able Whoa. to decipher it now, yeah. Exactly. Maybe it's my tinnitus that kind of makes it easier, but regardless, they have a new album coming out. I, I, I forget, what it, forget what it's called, but uh, there's that. There's uh, uh, Neil Zaza dropped another single, uh, and his album is coming out. Uh, and that the new one that he drops is called Gumdrop Fantasy. Very cool. You know, he's doing playthrough videos of it. Very tasty. Nice. It's like the one thing that I've noticed with the top tier guitar players that I didn't notice, like when I used to, like Vi does this, uh, but Sats maybe not so much. But in terms of like pickup selection and tone knob adjustment, like Neil's fierce on that, man. He is like constantly changing up his tone while he's playing sure. to get the sounds that he wants. And that's one thing that I've noticed with most of the modern virtuosic electric players is that like they're constant like they're not just sticking in one spot which is my uh, thing uh more than anything on electric guitar but like when it's they're a, playing it's a whole it, other uh, skill to learn yeah yeah it's a whole other skill level of things nick johnson uh johnston does that all the time like he's constantly flipping the pickups and adjusting the volumes for the licks that he's doing even mid lick you know it's just like whoop. and i think uh, even steve lukather does that if i'm remembering right from an interview he's like oh yeah, like, yeah i mean if you i mean like mike landau's like a god at doing that mm -hmm. too yeah all those guys you know but i thought that was really intriguing that um satch really didn't do that too much like even when i saw him live there wasn't a whole lot there was some but it wasn't like to the level of what these guys are doing and uh, Vi does it a lot it's pretty frequent that you can see him all over the place adjusting things uh, to get what he wants out of it so I always found that that's like one of my new observations. It's like, yeah, the tonal variations that they're doing are pretty immense comparative to things before. Like it's used a lot more. Maybe that's because well, I don't know. I don't know if that's true. Better. A lot more than who? I mean, because well, if you watch like Clapton and those guys or Hendrix, they were all over it. Okay. Well, maybe I'm just noticing it a lot <laughs> I, more. I think now. that uh, maybe there was a time in the '80s or something that it disappeared. But I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, like I don't um, know if that's true either. Yeah, who knows? But I, I oh, mostly yeah, don't. Totally that's one of the time periods that's I struggle with. But <laughs> yeah. the '80s was definitely. Speaking of the '80s, the, there is a new Tears for Fears album too, uh, which oh. I thought was well. So uh, you know, real geniuses was my jam as a kid. So that uh, <laughs> yep, everybody that was... wants to rule the world. That was like a that was right up there. <laughs> um. Wow. Oh, new music. I was just thinking, uh, I, I sent you that thing, Matt Hollenberg, who we've had on here, right? Yeah. He, yeah. He's, it's funny, last, when I played in New York City last time, right before the pandemic, I hung out with Matt, and we were jamming, and then he had a residency coming up at uh, Smoke, which is a place, I think it's run by New School, actually. I'm not hmm. totally sure on that. Anyway, who's going to do like a week-long thing there a couple weeks later? But then the pandemic hit and it got canceled. So it just got rescheduled. Yeah, you sent me the links to that. Yeah, so then uh, <clears throat> it's, it's in a few weeks, I think. <laughs> and uh, some interesting highlights. Well, one, there's Infinium has a new album oh, out. God, that's so good. Or it's, I don't know, is the whole album out now? I don't know if the whole album's out. Yeah, I think the they released out. a signal and it's great. Yeah, it's um, fantastic. And then the other big news was, I mean, the, probably the surprise news on there was that's going to be the debut of the next cleric album. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That so, is like, how long of a drive is it? <laughs> hmm. Yeah. yeah right. like, what is this? <laughs> Did I take a week off or not? Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Just stay there every night. Uh, that would be awesome. So That's the, exciting. the cleric thing that because he's got at least when we interviewed him, there was two albums done. Like yeah, I think it was something like that. Yeah, that's right. So that's They're really machines. Exciting. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, the guys, we got to have him on again. That was an awesome interview. It was a great time. He's a phenomenal player, too. So oh, that, yeah. uh, that was – and I'm loving the Infinium track. That is, like, wicked Oh, they're, cool. they're such a cool band, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's so – it's like if you heard Cleric and then you were like, oh, okay, I get what Matt sounds like. And then Cleric does cover a lot of ground, but then you mm-hmm. play him Infinium and you'd be like, that's the same person, you know? Yeah, like, exactly, exactly. Yeah. The, but, uh, it, but at the same time, it does sound like him. But yeah, it's like... You're uh, going to lose yourself to that yeah, degree. But, but it's, a, it's a much different take, yeah. And that, I think like... You know, in one sense, it's like actors have a range. It's like his range is gigantic. Oh, yeah. So it's uh, that uh, that that is one of those things that I, I I absolutely love about his playing. It's like he's got this. Whoop, here it is, you know, and, sure. you know, it's between the John Zorn and the Infinium and the, the other stuff and whatever else he's doing, because the guy's ridiculously um prolific yeah it's like could you stop maybe for a second <laughs> make me feel better about my own playing for a minute no all right fine keep doing you no but it's it's there's the new animals as leaders that's coming out um the new satch which I, there's always a soft spot right here for him uh so it's going to be an exciting you know next six weeks of music with new stuff dropping yeah. and that'll be cool yeah i'm still in my like i'm uh, not really listening to distorted stuff really i yeah. tried to listen to something the other day and maybe it was the animals as leaders i don't remember and i was like eh, i kind of like turned it off halfway <laughs> i didn't hey. hate it or anything i'm just no, like I okay I, like i'm kind of just tired of hearing it no i it's Dude, my pendulum swings with music. Yeah. Like right now, I'm on my my metal phase. But like before that, I was listening to nothing but choral music. Yeah, sure. Like constantly, um, and it's uh, it's just whatever kind of tickles the fancy at the current time. But I'm constantly listening. Like I, I never would have thought I would be listening through a new Tears for Fears album just to kind of hear it. Um, <laughs> and it's sure actually it's probably well made. Yeah, it's it's like the songwriting on it is fantastic. Like the, these guys haven't lost their edge at all. Like it it sounds fantastic. So I, I'm really happy with that, and the uh, or happy listening to it and so on. And then like that had me go down the uh, the rabbit hole of going through their past stuff. And did you see that the, Beato uh, Tears for Fears roll world yeah. roll the world thing? Did you watch that? Uh, is that like what makes a song great? That yeah. One? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just like this is a very weird, yeah, you know, like it's a very weird that it worked, you know. Yeah, that, exactly. not that it worked, but that this was a popular song, right? Mm-hmm. And I think even part of it was like the intro is like forty seconds long before anything mm-hmm. happens. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yep. And what's crazy is to me to see like how the song "Mad World" took off and covers, but the original song is not that good compared to the covers <laughs> like i'm like i love the covers of it but the original i remember the co- i don't even remember the covers who did the covers uh, of it well they did the they did like an all acoustic version of it that's like phenomenal like okay. they did an incredible arrangement and then i listened to the re- beginning and i'm like or that's the original and i was like oh my that's missing all the hooks that the acoustic <laughs> one had and it's not necessarily it, missing it's the wrong word it, it's 
they're there, but they're done in an electronic form and kind of like later on in the song. Whereas like the acoustic versions put those hooks right in the beginning and goes from there. And it's a lot more uh, depressing, like <laughs> way more depressing, but very, very coolly written, uh, that type of stuff. So, which is, hmm. you know, I was joking. I was just like, man, you know, the Soviet Union was around the last time they had albums out. <laughs> and now they're... Maybe don't release any more albums, guys. You're done. <laughs> this is it. What was no that more. movie? That remind me. Do you remember that movie where those people thought they were in America, but they were actually in Russia? And there was like, oh, what was that movie? It was so weird. Oh, man, I haven't thought about that in forever. I wish I could text my brother. He would hmm. know. He was like this weird movie it. where like they like woke up and they thought they were in this like American town, hmm. <laughs> but it was actually in Russia. No, I don't. The the only things that I remember, but like, the, and I think Tears for Fears must have been part of it. It's like it's, <laughs> it's like these little registers. Somebody yeah. tell us what movie was that. I will have to look. Yeah, it up. yeah, leave it in the comments section. Right. Blah, I guess blah, I could blah. Google. I we don't want to hear from you, but you know, I'm trying to avoid your typical streamer banter. Um, what was that? And now, now you gotta find it. The only ones that I remember from back then are like Ruskies. Or whatever that was, where it's like those kids fought off a Russian, inv a Soviet invasion. Sorry, I'm dating myself on that one. Uh, Soviet invasion or something like. Uh, and then Red Dawn was another one. Like the, the anti the, the 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 war propaganda before war was pretty thick. It's still, then. I mean, it's still pretty bad. No, I know, I I agree. <laughs> I know we watched uh, my daughter and I. We went through all the Rocky movies, and uh, you know, it's like yeah. <laughs> you're that. <laughs> Yeah, what was that, Rocky 3? That was Rocky 4. Rocky 4, okay. Yeah. And then, you know what's no. funny? I, oh, there was a guy I used to work with, and he was in the MMA. He had his first, like, amateur match, and we went to it. Um, And the guy who was fighting was from Russia. Oh, man. <laughs> and, and, like, he, the guy that we went to see, he ended up losing. And uh, the other guy was, like, he's like... He was Russian too, and he's like, "I would break you." You know, he did the whole like thing. After. He's like, <laughs> he had to say it. Like, it was like, it was amazing. That's awesome. It's great. That's you great. can trash talk and quote movies. That's you know amazing. what I found out that was great about that too is that you know you can sign people up for MMA fights <laughs> just randomly. Well, you could. That doesn't mean they're gonna show up, but it's like oh, you know, okay. two hundred bucks or whatever. You can put your name in. <laughs> <laughs> so we used to joke about that at work it's like well you two are gonna have to like settle this in the ring we're gonna mm -hmm. we'll get a pool together and we're gonna <laughs> put you both in that there. would be amazing <laughs> I, I you know I, I think we should do that with classical guitarists just right. to see what well I don't want to hurt my hands I was like, I so this, this is gonna be in the leg match <laughs> do a full guitar recital not piano crap yeah <laughs> let them fight it out tooth and nail oh man I'm so yeah, to... no. Now you're, while you're looking for that, I'm gonna segue into the the angry rant a little bit on the spectacle culture thing that we uh, that I shared with you, and all the people involved will clearly remain nameless. Though you know, depending on how internet sleuthy you are, you could probably discover this. But I found a video of a quote unquote guitarist uh, performing a r solo guitar version of. Uh, uh, what was that same call? Careless Whisper. And it was awful. It was... Like, I was kind of stunned watching it. Like, not that I begrudge somebody trying out and 
working on their chops and performing it. But it was like, what? Like, no sense of time. The, the, the sense of time was the big thing that just was, like, appalling to me. I was like, oh, my God, just stay yeah. in the – somewhere in a pocket, you know? Um, and it was just, like, you could tell they were very amateurish on the guitar. Like, I'd put them at the advanced beginner uh, type of thing. And But this uh, person, who is female, had certain assets and – looks that clearly were contributing to the follower count of 650,000 subscribers, you know, at that. And that video had like a couple hundred thousand views when I saw it. And I was just kind of like, you know, it was one of those things where uh, my wife, if she walked in, she'd go, oh, he's just watching it for the music. Like regardless, because they're dressed to the nines in um, not risque, but definitely... Right, it's not playing yeah, to their strengths, sure. Type of thing, and that doesn't bug me so much. It's like, okay, well, duh, you, who's you'd be foolish to waste that, uh, career wise. Use whatever you can to your advantage. But as somebody that, that plays, I'm just kind of like, you're trying to make it in music the complete wrong way. Because I mean, it said that under the Are thing, you... it's like, thank you for helping me with my music career to all of my fans. Why and do you I'm think like, it's the wrong way? I mean, obviously well, it's not I'm... the wrong way. <laughs> it's, it's, this, is, this is where the pure aspect comes out of that. It's, they're playing to the culture, spectacle culture, not to the sense of getting, like having an established um, ability. To be blunt, you know, it's like maybe they're a great singer. I don't know. I never bothered to click on another video. I was so incensed that I, I pulled out my fainting couch and fell over. Um, but the, uh, I, I think the thing that just really bugged me was just like, you're you're looking to do this for the fame factor. Thank you, American Idol, versus the uh, I just want to get better at this type of thing. That 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 type of mentality pisses me off like <laughs> fundamentally i'm like it's like do it because you want to excel at something not because you want to be famous if you want to be famous go do the influencer what, thing do, you, what do you think of a band like the sex pistols then uh they were doing it to, to, i mean they were kind of the opposite end of the spectrum like they, they were successful so? well no i mean they have one album out um mm -hmm. what's his i i'm vicious. yep like couldn't play bass at all like literally yeah <laughs> like intent almost a... not even in, like intentionally but like was couldn't and mm -hmm. then no, i mean like heroin does that so but i mean like they didn't even <laughs> try really they, they so did you ever I, I didn't actually know about the story till recently they basically were created by this like merchandise store they wanted to sell like punk rock looking garb so basically, oh, really? yeah. <laughs> so now, I, hopefully, I'm not getting these facts wrong, but feel free to correct me, whoever oh, yeah, out there. That, you're, but, you're filling me in on brand new stuff, so uh, yeah. So, but anyway, if this is true, the uh, yeah, basically, they were like a manufactured band, it's like an astroturf version of yeah, punk. and then, like they're one of the like most like I don't want to say like iconic, but sort of an iconic band. Oh, totally. With, like, no no uh, real talent. And it was all about, like, the looks of them. And the intent was to sell more merchandise at the store. And the guy happened to have money, so it helped. You know, again, it was money. 
Yeah. He, he put the band together, the person that owned this store or whatever, this chain of stores. And they basically, they, they wore the clothes this place had. You know what I mean? It was like a whole charade. So are you looking it up now? Yeah, I got to see it. So yeah, the... Very interesting, you know, like, I mean, I guess my point to that was, I don't think this has really changed. Even bands, you would just forget about it maybe a little bit. Yeah, I don't, I know, it doesn't say anything particularly with the colleges and art schools around. I'm not going to car I bunk because I'm not going to sit here and read this entire thing. But so far, it hasn't... Uh... Let's see. Mentioned a thing. Oh wait, wait a second. Okay, you're. Uh, I'm not going to Oh no, you might be right. Let's see here, backing up. <laughs> it is, I mean, it's just gen- generic things. That are rude and blah blah. The band members regularly hung out at two clothing shops on Kings Road in Chelsea. Da, 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 where, where this guy works as manager, blah, blah, blah. It's too fast, too young to die. McLaren's and Westward's shop had opened in 1971. It's like 1950s. renamed to focus on another revival trend. The owners of the shops were constant peddlers on a new stop. So when they were re- rehearsing there, they changed it into a punk rock thing. So it wasn't the shop that created them. Yeah, they will, we'll have to come back to this because I... We'll have to see. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, let's read this and we'll talk more about it next time. Yeah, right. Uh, with that. But uh, no, it's interesting. Like, like sort of. Uh, You're not wrong, but you might have it out of order. I don't know if it totally did. So I'm curious. There, the, no, the Sex Pistols were, uh, from what I just read, they were like third name of a band. Like it was something else well before a couple of years. Yeah, but wasn't it a, Johnny Rodden or Sid Vicious or one of them joined late? Yeah. And, John Lennon uh, joined in 1975. In that, and they like, like, no talent whatsoever. Like, I guess my point to that was here's a band that was sort of intentionally not talented <laughs> and certainly not seeking to be better talented. Um, it was a charade, mm-hmm. you know, it was meant to be a spectacle. But in one sense, they were pushing back against the current bands of the thing like one of the big things that mentioned that he had that sparked a lot of outrage is one of the band members had a shirt that said pink floyd and he wrote above it i hate pink yeah. floyd you know just that kind of sure and whatever but i mean that's that's just a that's a spectacle thing you're right, right. Yeah. but i think that is that's a pushback against the current spectacle which i guess you could say is spectacle regardless um you know, it, well, it's name dropping, right? It's like yeah. let's take an iconic group. Like, like if, it's like if you went and you put oh, Segovia like sucks. Yeah. I hope he <laughs> he's burn. He does grave burns down or whatever. I don't oh know. God, I got a great joke. <laughs> I have a great joke for idea for my concert. David Russell is the worst. <laughs> Sharon Sharon totally. Isbin should never play guitar again. <laughs> you should you should no. take the, you should take this tactic. Adam, Dude, yeah. I already I have a great line. I'm not going to spill it here. Come to the concert. I'll spill it to you later. Remind me because I think it's going to be great. <laughs> oh, oh my God, this is going to be go, go. Hopefully, it's gold. It could go over terrible in a concert, but I'm still going to do it. Um, 
But oh, that's a brilliant idea. I should. I'm totally going to do that. So, anyways, um, so you're going to have yeah, a big first, sign behind you that says Segovia should have never played guitar to begin with. Yeah, it'll be one of those performance art things where, like, I take a portrait of him and like pee on it in the middle of the show. And I hope be- Jason View strings all break forever. Yeah, yeah. I hope he breaks his fingers. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> his tone is garbage <laughs> they, they burn down that part of the school uh, <laughs> to the music's the worst yeah. <laughs> it's just a second rate place for people with no talent to go to make themselves for feel better yeah. oh god <laughs> I'm I, I just helping the aristocracy again Yeah. I'm just trying to make sure that I'm out of the way of the lightning strike from the classical <laughs> guitar gods in some way shape or form so <laughs> uh, that would be awesome, but I am going to totally use something like that. So, anyways, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, but, uh, go back to my point a little bit. It's like uh, clear. Uh, the, the impression I got was clearly this person was using their assets to make it to be famous to make money off of it, rather than I love the art form. I'm going to pursue the art form, and the outflow will be. I'll create enough space for myself to be able to benefit from perform this art. And I don't get that vibe. And again, this is from watching the one video, but it just rubbed me the wrong way. I was just like, what the heck, you know, Uh, as a musician, as a business head, I mean, it's like, well, yeah, of course, (laughs) whatever asset you can use to get ahead, you do you, whatever, you know, that, that, uh, uh, it's it's, it's hard to tell, like with, with not watching a bunch of other videos of this person, um, you know, if they gotten better, like we, maybe initially it was like, Hey, I'm just starting to learn this and thanks for the support. People are like, Oh, you're doing great or whatever, you know, and like keep it up. Yeah. But and with 650 K followers, it makes you go, Hmm. Well, I mean, I guess, did... do they have like vlogs and stuff like that too? I, I wonder if it's, is it only like covers, which is another thing too. I mean, I never do covers. I and sometimes I'm like, that's the stupidest, thing. <laughs> like that's the dumbest yeah. decision as a musician no, I to not put like, covers out. Like, I got a feeling just... if I did an arrangement of "We Don't Talk About Bruno," I wouldn't have to worry about money for a bit. You know, <laughs> well, you got to do like seventy of them, though. You know what I mean? You got to yeah. have like, oh no, no kidding. You pick all the, you pick all the top hits, you and do then it. and then when the next "We Don't Talk About Bruno" comes out in two years or whatever, when that lands and you do it in the first week or two that it released. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you know, you'll have a million people. Listen. I mean, I would think that would be the game plan. The first time you I, do it, nobody's gonna. You know, you might, you maybe you get somebody to see it, but who knows? Instead of I, your instead of your normal hundred people that it. watch it, you get a thousand or whatever, right? I just can't do it. I can't do it for that. Like something in me just makes it absolutely. Well, but it's just dumb, right? I feel like it's dumb for me too not to do it. Um, it, it, it from a fiscal. Um, fiscal uh business perspective it is dumb it's like how much time would it really take for me to do a mediocre arrangement <laughs> of a disney pop tune and just play through it it wouldn't take long it'd take like a week you know and that's me writing it recording it and, and putting it out there but that's also a week in my time where i could be playing something of substance <laughs> you know, not that they're bad writers but it's like ah, i don't want to take my time away from what i really like doing and really want to play to do something for that, you know, uh, stupid influencer, quote unquote, value. You know, and, I, and it's also a trap, I, I, I think, too, God. right? Because you see the people that 
even like the really good ones that do it, they kind of yeah, get that's trapped. All they, they do, they can't kind of get trapped in it because they, as soon as they put any of their own stuff out, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I had a million views on that other thing, but I only have a thousand on this. That's my oh, own thing, it. and it's like your your ego would get so hit, and you're like, well, I want to get that million views again on the next video. So well, bigger than that, your wallet's gonna get hit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, well, then, so they, there's a famous, uh, famous, I say, but there's a pretty famous like Holdsworth interview that shows up and this girl she asked him you know she's the reporter or whatever she's like so why don't you like just do like a pop song you know like do you know like as we all have heard why yeah we'll talk about this like why don't you do a pop song and then uh you know then you won't have to worry about it like you'll have you know your finances of blah 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 you know enough people you have a lot of connections i'm sure they would help you out you get you know whatever and it and it'd probably be you know a relatively big tune and he was just like yeah, but then when people come to my show because of that song, yeah, and they hear the rest of the they hear the rest the of the stuff, they're they're gonna be miserable. They're gonna hate it. You know, it's not it's not like a gateway to my other stuff. It's a misrepresentation of the thing I want to present. Regardless, it's probably. Just, I mean, you could do anything you want with the arrangement. Mm-hmm. I mean, the melody is. You know, if the melody's good, like you could make, you know, presumably as good of arrangement as a Bach or something. You know what I mean? Like you. Could- well, yeah, and there's guys that do that. There's guys that base fugues off of modern tunes, which is like okay, cool. Or you know, if if I wanted to really stick it to somebody, it would be like I'm going to do this in serial. Right. I'm going to keep the tune tonal, but I'm going to do all the accompaniment atonal. So have fun listening to that, you know, or whatever. Well, I mean, the, the whole jazz. Is- the original jazz cats that's what they were doing though you know like we we treat it like this like classical like thing like it's a i use classical intentionally there that it, yeah. it's like this uh it's like the bible or whatever you can't mess with it mm-hmm. but you know like when coltrane did my favorite things i think we might have talked about this too but it's like it was less than a year old like oh, it wow. had just come out on broadway like in 1961 or whatever like in in that year he released his thing of it you know it would be like doing like a um olivia rodriguez tune you know or the bruno song you know yeah, yeah. It, w- it would be uh that it was totally the equivalent of doing a jazz version of that and then when mm-hmm. you look even like the west montgomery and all these guys they were taking modern tunes like the like west montgomery did a beatles album you know in the 60s <laughs> you know Dang. so like you know, it would yeah, have been it yeah, would have been right, like fresh, right. you know, and and we look at it, we're like, oh, that's so classic, you know, it's like this classic thing that he did, you know, he took the great <laughs> music or whatever. But it's like he just took the pop songs of the day, you know, like the biggest hits of the day, and did an arrangement of it and turned it into his own thing. Um, it's not so dumb. <laughs> no, I guess I mean it's like when you look at it from that perspective, I guess it's great. And you think I mean look at Bach. I mean like I'm certain that what he was doing was modern, you know, for the time. It was Yeah, oh, of he, course. I mean, you know, and Mozart and all this stuff. These were like the right. pop tunes of the time in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could say it's more sophisticated or whatever, but that's misrepresentation too probably. But uh did you see that 12-tone thing about uh modern tunes? I think I sent it to you. 
And he was he was like crapping all over Beato for saying how tunes used to be better. Oh, yeah, okay. Twelve tone is in like the channel, not the channel. In, like, yeah, the twelve tone channel. I was like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, no, Rick I, I was got... totally wrong about this whole thing. Like these are the hits, and well, well, we said the same thing when we were talking about that. Yeah. Like we, we we, it's like the number one hit. You don't really recall. It's the ones that have the staying power that generally. Oh, there was yeah, that's power. right. That was part of it, but the other part was just the. The complexity of all the layers that you hear in music now, like mm-hmm. you didn't hear in the '60s and the '70s. Yeah, that's that's and, true. and a lot and of that was tech. It was like a technological thing. Yep, um, that's one of the points I bring up. I'm like, just because it's a Taylor Swift song for four minutes doesn't mean getting the sonic signatures into the right spot. Yeah, I mean, like, there, there's. I bet if you map that thing out, yeah, that would be like there's 180 ridiculous. tracks doing all kinds of different things, and it works. And yeah. it's it's and, like that's kind of a an a marvel really yeah and of, that's what of I complexity like, for that matter a total complexity that you could tell everybody have, that now yeah i mean it, it's fascinating i just i was like listen working with my buddy bob you know the the electronic guy uh synthwave thing it opened my eyes to the production end of things and it, like the work that goes into that and the intricacies and the the detail and it that's tremendous man it's not like you know uh, a flippant mentality it's intentional and right. you're looking you know just because you it seems like 20 hertz to twenty thousand hertz is a lot of space but it's really not you know especially when you have things aren't small in that space it's not like they take one hertz yeah it's right like, no, you're talking like a couple hundred depending on where that's gonna lay so it uh it, it quickly can become cramped and, you know, figuring out how to master and put things in the right spots and where you do it mix-wise and coming up with the new sounds, you know, integrating the right sounds so that they don't overlap with the frequencies of another one so that it's clear. Sure. Like that is crazy, like, the amount of work that goes into that. So that completely earned a new perspective from me uh, on Well, that. a lot of times people will say, like, well, look how quick they put that thing together. Like, they... Like they put that whole song and all those layers and stuff together in an hour, you know, like five hours or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but if somebody gave you the chords to the song with your guitar because you've been playing for 30 years. Yes, exactly. Like you could lay down a track in the next 20 minutes and it'd probably be really good. You know, (laughs) it's because you've worked it out. Like Exactly. And then they've worked that out on the computer too. Um, It, It is an instrument unto itself. Yeah. with the production end of things. And I think that's really lost on people that don't do a lot of it or haven't been exposed to the, the, that sure. end of it. You know, but that goes with everything. When you haven't been exposed to that end of it, it's going to seem like it's garbage. You know, until you, you, you get know, I had an interesting, I don't want to say argument, but discussion about, uh, somebody had posted something about like, what do you think about guitar sense? And somebody was like, Guitars shouldn't be synths, like they should stay with keyboards. And I was like, there's nothing inherently keyboardish about synthesizers. <laughs> that, this it's not like there was a piano that sounded like a synth that was acoustic. Like yeah. it just happens to be easier to trigger synth sounds with a button type apparatus. Right? Yes. Exactly. And we happen you know, to figure out how to do that with keyboards first. But there's nothing like all the synth sounds really have like whether a guitar does it or a sax does it or whatever. I mean, like any any instrument or whatever that you want to couple it with has just as much right to touch those zillions of synth sounds we have now 
as a mm-hmm. keyboard. Like the keyboard yeah. doesn't own it, I guess. Is my point. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. It's kind of, and I never really thought about that before. It just always seemed like they're so ubiquitous, right? You just think, oh, since so, so, like I'm, look, I see the keyboard on your. It's like, oh, of course, that's yeah. doing sense stuff, right? And it's like we've just we've gone there, but it really has nothing to do with the keyboard. It just happens to be. I mean, it's basically a MIDI controller. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. And they got more elaborate and more compact. I mean, that's what I, yeah, I mean, do I write with this? Yes. Do I, but what does it normally do? It controls all the MIDI. Like, sure. you know, I got my drum pad over there and then this is for writing in chords. So it, uh, it's definitely, I, I, I completely agree with your point. Like I, I could, so what? They use a guitar synth. Okay. Like Eric Johnson used a guitar synth. <laughs> so yeah, it, no. uh, I remember everybody, seeing yeah. ads for that uh, way, way, way back in the 90s, you know, the, the Roland, whatever it was, sure. the extra pickup that you could put up in between the bridge and the first, uh, uh, the, the literal bridge and the bridge pickup, you could slip it under the strings and it's a MIDI controller for it. Yeah, the GK pickup, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, and uh, uh, well, and if you go back farther too, I mean, Matheny's using that Roland mm-hmm. guitar. Um, yeah. McLaughlin yep. had one. Um, Holdsworth had the Synthax. You ever seen those? Yeah, yeah. Those, those are crazy. <laughs> no, they're nuts. Yeah. Um, and they actually worked know. really well because it was all push buttons. Um, <laughs> that has got to be so weird feeling. Like, that's something that I would try out just to try. Amazing that no one's really made another one. I think they're just complicated. Or what did I hear about? Hell of a lot of buttons to push. I can't remember if it was the Roland guitar or the synth guitar. I think it was the Roland guitar, the one that Matheny uses all the time, um, that he still uses from like the late seventies. And he, yeah, it was it was that guitar. And he was saying so. Roland had bought a company that made that. They didn't invent it. They they bought it from this guy. Okay. He was like the only person who knew how this thing actually worked. <laughs> and they've never been <laughs> able to duplicate. They've never been able to duplicate it again. They'd like wow. to be able to, but they'd never been able to. They couldn't like reverse engineer it to do it and it they haven't beat it yet so this thing wow. is like 40 years old now or whatever and they still haven't like this is what's Matheny's words they still haven't done better you know like it, it tracks so well and all these kind of things and it doesn't work the same way all these other ones it doesn't work the same way the gk pickup works it doesn't work the huh. same yeah so it's, it's really interesting so yeah and it was just kind of like yeah, when I talk to them, they're like, "Yeah, nobody knows how it actually works. Like, they don't really get out how, how good how it works so well." Yeah, yeah. and uh, I mean that's all hearsay, and it was also through Matheny, right? But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'd be interested as a, as an engineer, like what that what that would be. But yeah, I find it difficult to imagine they can't reverse engineer it. No, no, but you never know. You know, it's like it could be some weird thing that they just do, sure. like. Uh, Oh, was it the Klon pedals or whatever? Because he put that goop over it, you just can't. Well, I don't know that. They, uh, yeah, I don't even know. I think it was just like I don't under. They, I don't think they understood why it worked. Like, so they couldn't like <laughs> duplicate the reason why. <laughs> why does it? I don't know why. This they're, works. They're, I think they're mostly doing like a piezo kind of technology now. Is how they do it typically. Okay. Um, well, it's a, like it's got to be similar to the Godens, like the. I think that's all, that's just like the ghost pickup thing or whatever. That's the same kind of deal. No, same thing. P- P- yeah. I, I was looking uh, at the, the other day. It's like, hmm, that would be kind of cool. Nylon string with a full synth. So I, I do have the uh, Source Audio C4 pedal, and it tracks pretty well. I mean, does it do like – and I, I, does it do uh, 
poly stuff that well not the greatest but i mean it can keep up with me like yeah. shred, shredding away or whatever oh, that's um cool. so I, I and that's just using audio that's not using like a fancy pickup or anything so that whole technology is getting a lot better mm-hmm. and then like the pog kind of does that too and it's always been fast as mm-hmm. long as you pick pretty well yeah so. yeah huh Anyway, so that yeah, you almost don't need the, the those those work just as well as those GK pickups at this point. Yeah, those would be fun to play with. Oh yeah, you know it, it is like fun. what was it? Uh, I was talking with, and maybe it, it was you, but I was talking with somebody, and it's like it's a good thing I'm not playing right-handed because I would own everything. Oh, I know. <laughs> it would be like it is, it is such like a buzzkill yeah at the same time but yeah also it's like oh it's also mm-hmm. like look I have money <laughs> or some money not a whole lot but I'm certain I would own like at least twice as many guitars oh yeah are you kidding me it, it, it would be all it, yes yeah bad things it would be very very bad it would be like I need to work three jobs to keep my guitar habit up it might actually be fun to go to music stores too <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. That's why it's like when I went to Jerry's Lefty Guitars, I almost had to pay rent. I sent you that picture today, the the book, the what yeah, was that called? yeah, the left handedness thing. What was uh, that? That was a great name, Minister Hand or whichever. Uh, what did it, was it called? Oh, I can find it in a second. That's right. When I had a guitar duo with somebody, we called ourselves Duo Destro Sinistro, the Destro Sinistro Duo, which is Italian for left and right. So. Yeah, there it is. The Prevention and Correction of Left-Handedness in Children by I Like to Beat Kids or J.W. <laughs> Conway. So, yeah, there's just yeah. like, and, and this is so recent too. And I think I was telling you like, you know, I basically like failed out of elementary school because they would circle all the smears. You know? Yeah. Yep. And that was in the 80s, you know. And they're just was like, it, that was, uh, well, I was out of elementary school by the, what? 86 but they definitely that's why I'm right handed I'm guessing because like I do pretty much everything else with my life oh you mean you no. you write right handed yeah yeah I write right handed yeah Adam's a traitor I found yeah. out today I'm I actually did not know that I'm not a traitor I'm a freak it's a different so, <laughs> you yeah. don't have to you, but you don't you don't know the struggle like you didn't go through the whole struggle <laughs> You, the only good struggle you've had but is with that guitar. I my non-dominant dominant It is the only you struggle know? you've had. <laughs> you missed all the writing, like... Like, you didn't have to write over top of uh, these, like, things. Like, oh, yeah, that, like that the, I gotta, yep. you, you didn't have to write on the desk that were, like, this, yeah, they're all right-handed, and you're, like, trying to, like, do it, and, like, you didn't have to try to write cursive which is completely anti-left-handed just in oh, general because you're because yeah. lefties push yeah it's like so you have to do this thing where you like twist your arm in this weird way to like <laughs> god i hated cursive so much oh you, so mean, you like, didn't i can already write the damn words why am i doing it this way come on you didn't have uh you didn't have any of that you probably use right-handed scissors too And actually, well, I say that I had to use right-handed scissors, but with my left hand. Yeah. And uh, because I don't think I've ever seen a pair of left-handed scissors that actually worked. (laughs) I'm assuming they just, like, 
they're like, no one's going to use these anyway. Like, so they're not going to, sh- we're not going to sharpen them. We can't trust left handers with, with scissors, obviously. <laughs> so and, super- and we can double the price for it anyway. And no one's yeah. going to know because the right handers yeah. person's the one buying it. So they're not even going to try it to see it's if like it works. It's like selling left handed pencils. Yeah. Uh, what? Well, it's like, you know, and that's my other pet peeve is if you go to a guitar store, they have the left handed guitar chord book. And I'm like, no, just <laughs> learn to read it as it. I mean, it's a freaking diagram. If you can't that's, flip that's it, that's just a, yeah, yeah, that's a recipe for disaster. I've never looked but at that book. It is a recipe for, because I had somebody that was trained in that, that was left handed. And it's like, oh, yeah, they wrote it all out lefty. I'm like, they did. So they made things twice as hard for you? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, this. Right, so basically, that, you have to rely on them forever now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I said. I, and that's what we spent like the first month and a half in the lessons. Just, I'm like, every chord chart you looked at was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to start over and get you thinking in the other way because you're never going to find stuff in a left handed version right. in terms of music. So just, yeah. Like some of the marketing stuff just. Again, fills me with rage. So. Yeah, I mean, they, they just needed to say, like that. All that book should say is "suck it up, Buttercup." You're gonna have it's gonna suck. <laughs> like blank, and it's got like a couple, like three sentences like, in it. I'm gonna show you how this is in right hand, and stop trying to think of it the other way. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's uh... a. <laughs> you know, all that stuff. I never it never bothered me at all. I don't even remember yeah, that, thinking like this that, is that backwards. Was the thing. Like, exactly. I was. It's it's all. Tablature was already ass backwards anyways like it, yeah. it's flipped upside down to begin with sheet music it doesn't matter yeah and the ca- guitar chords were just like oh okay that's the string this string that's it boom Math and yeah it never bothered me or even like lessons like right. sometimes i know i had you know obviously i had all right-handed teachers <laughs> and like sometimes it bothered those teachers they like legit but for me it was just like i'm just looking at a mirror like it didn't really bother yeah. me and that, that's the thing or it never definitely didn't complaint. bother me I didn't even think about it like I'm like oh, okay yeah and they're like <laughs> <laughs> it's harder it, it, I'm like it's why are you struggling don't worry about you <laughs> just yep. teach me I got it I, I, don't, have, I don't have to translate I've already figured this out I have one left handed student this semester yeah and they're uh, they, they're playing lefty and it's weird because I'm used to mirroring everybody and yeah. then this, they come in and it's like uh, oh yeah you're you're like me okay I guess I understand what everybody else does now. You know, <laughs> I, I forget how kind of weird yeah, I look. Could you switch talk. to right hand Because I don't get this. <laughs> yeah, I was like, if you weren't so far along in playing, I would say learn the other way. You know, save yourself the trouble. Be able to buy an instrument for a reasonable price and actually try them out first. So you know, but I've met enough people now at this point that now like play lefty, but tried to play righty for years. Mm-hmm. And like it never, like it just never worked out. And it wasn't the fretting hand; it was the other hand that like they just plucking. struggled, <laughs> like struggle, struggle, struggle. And then they like there were certain aspects they couldn't get past, and th- so they just stopped playing, you know. And then five, ten years later, whatever they just, they just pick it up, and they they even after they played it for like five to ten years before, now they pick it up and they just picked it up lefty. Because it felt natural, <laughs> and then they like all the strummy things and all the like pick coordination like was just there. Yeah, and they're like, "Why did I fight this for? Like, I could have been a thousand times better." And, and then they actually like it, you know, like they start to yeah. like it yep. because 
it's not as hard anymore. It wasn't like fighting their instincts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, he, uh, I don't know. No, I, I totally get that. I mean, it's like there's clear th- advantages to using your dominant hand or whatever uh, to, to play on the instrument. That's just that's why there's handedness to it. That's why there's handedness to objects. I mean, I feel like, I mean, you, if you're right hand, left handed, see, if you would have wrote left handed, you'd be a way better picker because this is all, um, this is the same, this is the same motion basically, right? So, like, I have 40 years of practice writing with this hand. And so, all those little, like, I don't like switching strength, like, none of that stuff. I don't think about any of that stuff. I mean, some of that was obviously practice, but there's like an element of like, I can shift the skill set from both of those to work together. Anyway, yeah, we're well, going off like, a tangent, tangent here. But. No, it, it, it makes sense, though. And I don't think it's that much of a tangent. We, if you it, really want to get better at guitar, hot. Adam, you should start writing left-handed. Oh, uh, you shut your whore mouth. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I might, I just might. No, I, I do, like, in the back of my high, hand, uh, head, hand, head, you know, that beer is clearly affecting me a little bit. But in the back of my head, I, I, I think about that as like, if the worst happened and like, like I injured my fretting hand, I'd just switch, you know, it's like, that would be it. And I'm like, I wonder how long it would take me to get back to that level where I'm at now. Like clearly at least a month for the calluses to come in. <laughs> and then I, I, I think it would be like two or three years because, but that's an excel because I know so much mentally that it's like just a matter of applying what I do now. And well, it would be an interesting power. study to see if if you're like, man, this, I have no capability of doing this. Yeah, it's not a study I want to participate in, but yeah. if I'm forced to, I will. <laughs> yeah, well, for sure. Like that's you know that's kind of like the it's hard to imagine a situation where you would have somehow hurt that hand that, but you can still pick with it or something. I don't know. Well, that's what happened to Jerry for Jerry's Lessie's guitars. Like, because he played right-handed, oh. and then he worked construction. Like, this is a story that he told me. And he worked construction, and he had an accident, and he cut. Like, if you didn't know, if he didn't show you, you wouldn't notice. But he's missing the complete index finger. Like, this is gone. All this section. Okay. So it looks like he has, like, a, his, uh, his left hand. Looks like it only has three fingers, and that's like totally natural. Like the knuckles gone. He something with a bandsaw. Or yeah, something. they they did a good job. Look, yeah, they made it made it look good. Yeah, they made it look good, and uh, and he's like, you know, so I took like a couple of years off or whatever, and then he's like, I stumbled in a guitar store and found a lefty, you know, cheapo bottom tier lefty guitar, and grabbed it and started learning that way, you know, just because I like playing, you know, sure. and, uh, and then he re- quickly realized. Nobody sells high-end lefty instruments ever. Like even medium tier is tough to find. Certainly, and the rest is history. So it's uh, that's you know that's I'm a- going to be in Orlando in June now. I'm I'm thinking Orlando. like how do I get? Orlando's like four hours away. from I know. Well, it's as close as I can get. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm like, I, well, I mean, I will say it's worth the drive. It's totally worth the drive. Yeah, I'm like, how do I make this happen? And like maybe I stay for the, the weekend the or something, and then I can go. Yeah, I don't know. Yep, but it's totally worth it. That was awesome. It, it was, and so many unique guitars there. It sure. wasn't like you know Fender and Gibson left-handed. And that's it. It was like there was like they had some, but most of it was like exotic stuff that you wouldn't get even at a high-end instrument shop for right-handed people. Yeah, right. So it was really, really cool. 
really, really cool. No doubt. So brilliantly done. Uh, kudos to him. And we got to invite him onto the podcast. That would be a fun interview. Yeah. That's fun with that gripe about the perils of left-handed playing and so on. Um, but it sounds like he didn't struggle as a lefty either. I'm just no, no. I at least at the beginning, you know. But later on, the struggle was really real. So it. Uh, but yeah, Weiss, man, he didn't go through the, no, I will the, say, the twenty years of twenty-five years or whatever of writing left-handed. Yeah, he, I will cool. say that he is moving it to uh, Tennessee. Oh no! No crap. That's way yeah, closer. In another year or two, he's like building another store out there and moving everything from Florida up there. Interesting. So I just can't take the heat down here anymore. So I'm pretty sure the heat in Tennessee is worse when it's bad. Yeah. Who knows? Either way, it's his call. All I know is Tennessee is closer than Florida and it's driving distance. Yeah. Right. I mean, well, technically, so is Florida when I was there, but <laughs> yeah, right. still, it's not a day's worth of driving. It's like five hours or something like that, five or six. So from where we're at. But anyways, all right. I think we've hit the random rambling phase. We uh, have. Might be time to wind things up. Like, uh, we like that y'all suck around. Yeah. That. Well, number nine. Let's hope for number one starting in next year. We'll get a little bit more creative. <laughs> so, right. And talking about more guitar-specific things. But this was cool. Yeah. Good. All right. See you. All right. Later. <laughs>